0: Right, Holy Spirit, we gather again today to hear a word from you. We want to hear the word of peace that you bring us. So we ask that you would illumine our hearts and minds to hear a word from you this morning. Speak, O Lord, your servants are listening. Amen. Well, I have a, I have a really huge personal update for you guys, very, very significant in my life. I finally finished the Harry Potter series. This was huge. It took me, I was stuck at the end of book four for about 15 years. I'm not even joking. I had read through the first four a couple times and I always got stopped after the Goblet of Fire. And I just never went on. I'd I'd seen the first four movies. Again, never went on and saw the rest of them. But when I had 20 hours of flight time uh, to and from Kazakhstan and all seven of the movies were on Uh, the the, uh, TV screen in front of me, I thought, now is my time. Now is my chance. I can finish the series once and for all. And you know what? It was really great. Do we have any other Harry Potter fans here? Any other Harry Potter fans like the series? Okay, a few of you. You know, I learned an interesting fact about Harry Potter. In fact, if you didn't know, Harry Potter is the best-selling book series of all time in the whole world. It has sold over 500 million copies. It has been translated into 80 languages. It is the most popular book series in the world of all time. You know, and I I find that fascinating because I think it's hard to translate success into other cultures sometimes because of cultural differences. So when you see something that is having such a global impact, we should pause and say, what is touching people on such a personal and deep level? You know, and I'm sure there's many reasons why uh, Harry Potter is, has spoken to so many people. I think it's, it's great writing, it's a fun story, and all, that, all those things. But I can't help but think that the, the actual magical world has something to do with it. That there is something about the magical world that J.K. Rowling created that sparks fascina- fascination in our imaginations, and that gets people excited. You know, and I think especially in our culture, it resonates because we tend to take all of the mystery out of things. Ever since the, the Enlightenment in the 1800s, we've begun to explain everything away. We no longer marvel at the rain, at nature, at how our bodies work, because we, we have an explanation for it. And so we begin to take all of the mystery, all of the magic, if you will, out of life. And so in many ways, I believe that can make our world very tame, very boring for a lot of us. And there's a part of us that wishes there was something, if you don't mind me using the word, magical. Magical. Something majestic, something glorious about our world. And I believe often Christianity, unfortunately, hasn't been of much help to us occasionally. Although we believe that God became a man, although we believe he performed miracles and rose from the dead, many of us have a really hard time believing that God is still powerfully working in the world. Many of us, we believe all the doctrines of the faith, we're Orthodox Christians, we believe in the Bible, but we have a hard time believing that there is a power at work in us, that there is a power at work in the world that we can't fully explain, and that God is still doing the miraculous and the unexpected in our day. You know, we often say we believe in the triune God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but unfortunately the church has not paid very much attention to the Holy Spirit in our day. Many Christians are not open to the work of the Spirit in the church and in their lives, because maybe the Holy Spirit, He seems too, too magical Too weird, too strange, too otherworldly. And so we might reject him. Or maybe if we don't reject him, we're at least not very open to the Holy Spirit in our lives. I think many of us, would rather keep God very easy to manage. In my God box, in my church box. I go to church and everything else is, I have my work box, my family box. And so God, we want to keep God easy to manage. But the Holy Spirit, he can't be contained. Jesus said he blows where he wants to blow. He moves where he wants to move. And so we can't contain the Holy Spirit. And so we, many of us, we remain closed because we're nervous about what the Spirit might do in our lives. And so for many Christians, they say they believe in the Father, Son, and Spirit, but their trinity looks more like the Father, Son, and Holy Bible rather than the Father, Son, and Spirit. Now, don't get me wrong. The Bible is the Word of God. It's God's Word to us. But we don't worship the Bible. We worship the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is the Lord, the giver of life. And so we need to, we need to come back to this um, Francis Chan, he wrote a book called Forgotten God, Our Tragic Neglect of the Holy Spirit. And if it weren't for copyrights, I'd steal that title right now. (laughs) Forgotten God. We have forgotten a part of the Holy Trinity, the Holy Spirit. We have neglected him in the church. And so it's my commitment to you as a pastor that I want to reverse this in this generation. So we're going to spend at least the the next eight weeks diving deep into how the Holy, who the Holy Spirit is, what He does, how He works, and how we can be more open to His work in our lives and in the church. So I'm excited, and I hope you'll join me uh, through this series. And today we're starting this series by beginning at looking at how, how Jesus was filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. How the Holy Spirit was at work in His life from His birth, through His life, His ministry, through His death and His resurrection. Because Jesus is our model and our example We ought to look at how he lived and how he was filled with the Holy Spirit himself. And so for many of us, this might be a new understanding, and I'm going to give you a lot of scripture because I'm a covenant pastor. And so you're going to ask, where's the written pastor? And I'm going to show you uh, through the Bible how the Holy Spirit was at work in Jesus' life. So I'm going to kind of take you on a journey through his life. So the first part I want to talk about is that Jesus was born through the Holy Spirit. Jesus was born through the Holy Spirit. It was a miracle brought about by the Spirit of God. Matthew one twenty. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So Jesus' birth, we talk about this at Christmas, the Advent, it was unique. It was the moment where God became one of us. That the divine became human. God became man. So in a very great mystery that we can't fully explain today or at all... Uh, the Holy Spirit was involved in bringing about the birth of Jesus. And so here we're getting at the teaching of the church that teaches that Jesus is one person with two natures. He is at the same time fully God and fully man. He has his divine nature and his human nature, and they are, they are uh, united in one person in Jesus Christ. And this is a little theological, I recognize, but actually it's really important to understand. That Jesus, about Jesus so that we can understand his relationship with the Holy Spirit. Friends, because Jesus was fully human, just like us, that means he took upon all the constraints of being a human, all, all the weaknesses of human flesh, just like we have. And so he had to grow physically. He had to grow in wisdom, the Bible says. He had to grow in favor with God and with others. He had to grow up. And it also means that Jesus needed the Holy Spirit in his life And he modeled for us what it means to live a spirit-filled life as a human. And so we need to understand that Jesus was born through the Holy Spirit, and that makes him fully God and fully man. And we're going to dive into what that means a little bit more. So let's continue on in the story of Jesus. Number two, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit at his baptism. He was filled with the Holy Spirit at his baptism. Look what it says in Luke 3. When all the people were being baptized... Jesus was baptized too, and as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form, like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Uh, There's a man, a professor, there's a professor at Wheaton College named Gerald Hawthorne, taught at Wheaton College for 42 years, just curious, anybody familiar with Professor Hawthorne? few of you, okay, a few of you remember his name. A great, great man of God. You know, one of his greatest contributions to the church was a book called The Presence and the Power, The Significance of the Holy Spirit in the Life and Ministry of Jesus. And it's probably the magnum opus of his ministry. He taught New Testament studies for 42 years at Wheaton College. And it's easily one of the most transforming books I read while I was in seminary. And if you leave this sermon confused, just go read that book. <laughs> And it will explain all of the things that I have uh, not taught you well. But Hawthorne, he writes in this book on the baptism of Jesus, he says this. He said, at the baptism, the Spirit had come to Jesus to stay. Jesus was now the permanent bearer of the Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus wasn't just a, just a one-time feeling. It wasn't, it wasn't just a nice touch to a special event in Jesus' life. It was the beginning of a new way of life for Jesus. From that point on, Jesus was going to be filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so he was going to model for us a spirit-filled life. Look what John the Baptist said, recording the Gospels. He said, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? From the very start of Jesus' ministry, the Holy Spirit comes down and remains upon him. It is a filling and an empowerment of the Holy Spirit for the ministry that is ahead of Jesus. So everything you read about Jesus from this point forward in the Gospels, you need to see it through the lens of the Holy Spirit. That everything that Jesus is now doing is Spirit-filled and Spirit-led. And everything He's going to do is by the power of the Holy Spirit. That should change how we see the Gospels in a dramatic way. Now the third area that I want to take you to in His life is that Jesus overcame temptation by the Holy Spirit. So right after His baptism, Luke 4 says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days... He was tempted by the devil. So Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit, as we just said. He's led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Have you ever noticed how often Jesus is traveling in the Gospels? Just constantly, he's on the move constantly, different houses. He's going, he's going to the Capernaum. He's going to a Pharisee's house. He's having dinner here. He's having breakfast on the beach. He's doing all kinds of things. And we might think, is this just random? Wow, where, how is Jesus traveling. And no, I believe it was not random whatsoever because everything Jesus was doing was always led by the Spirit. And so he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness. It's not random. He's letting the Holy Spirit lead him. But did you notice that the Holy Spirit did not give Jesus the whole plan of every step of what he was supposed to do in his ministry from the beginning? You know, he didn't say, okay, Jesus, here's, here's what you're going to do the next three and a half years. Here's your next month. Here's your, here's your quarterly goals. Here's your, you know, no, he didn't lay it out step by step. No, he said, your next step is you're, le- you're going into the wilderness. See, the Holy Spirit leads us step by step. Some of you, I believe, you're asking God, show me the whole plan for my life. Lord, I just want to know where you're leading. I want to know, know the plan that you have for me. And God is just asking you to be obedient right where you are. Just go take the right next step. Just follow the next step where I'm leading. And notice that where the Spirit leads Jesus, the devil comes to attack. Sometimes God will lead you to do something. He's asking you to do something. You respond in obedience and you're going to expect everything to go smoothly. I'm obeying you, Lord. I'm doing what you've asked. But see, often when we're right where God wants us, when we're taking that step of obedience, that's when the enemy is alerted. You see, the enemy doesn't come to attack us when we're disobedient, when we're, when we're not following the will of God. No, he comes to attack us at the moment, at the place of obedience. When we desire to follow the Spirit, that's when the enemy comes and tries to dissuade us off the path. And when the enemy comes to Jesus, Jesus is in the wilderness. Now, fortunately, I had the opportunity to look at the Judean wilderness when I was in Israel in seminary. And it hasn't changed much in 2,000 years. It's a very desolate place. It's a lonely place. It is like a desert. It is full of hills. It's rolling hills. There's nothing out there. It's wilderness. And so Jesus has has nothing. He doesn't have food. He's not eating. And Satan tries to trick him with all kinds of deceptions in this place. And crazy enough, Jesus is always able to respond with the word of God. I mean, how do we respond when we are grumpy? Grumpy. I mean, some, I mean, for me, sometimes I get grumpy when I, when I miss one meal. You know, if I, if I just get a little hangry, I'm a little hungry, angry, you've heard that, hangry? You can use that in your life, that's free. Uh, but sometimes we get hangry, and we, want, and we're getting a little, we miss a meal. Jesus, he hasn't eaten for 40 days. How would you feel after that? When we're tired, when we're hungry, when we're irritable, that's when it's so easy for Satan to take advantage of our human weaknesses. And that's what Satan does to Jesus right here. And Jesus, he could have been exasperated and said, you know what, that's fine, I need to give up, it's too hard. How did Jesus not cave in in such horrible circumstances? How did he not just give in a little bit? How did he not give up? Friends, it wasn't because he was simply God and he was, had, was better than us. No, he is, he is human and he is exactly like us in our human nature. He was tempted in every way, the Bible says, just like we are. But the difference is, Jesus always was open, always open to the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. He always relied on the Spirit's empowerment in every moment of his life. You know, how do you think Jesus was able to bring to mind all of these scriptures when he was in such a hungry and irritable place? It was the Spirit. The Bible says the Spirit is the one who reminds us of truth. He is the Spirit of truth. And so the Spirit is bringing to mind the Word of God to Jesus for him to combat combat the enemy. The Holy Spirit was with him. And it was through the Holy Spirit Jesus overcame the temptations of the evil one. So we see the Spirit at work in Jesus' temptation. Next, I want to talk about how Jesus ministered to others through the Holy Spirit. Luke four, fourteen through 15. So this is after the temptation, after the wilderness. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. See, the author of our Gospel, Luke, he is showing us that from his baptism, through the temptation in the wilderness, Jesus has now returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's almost as if this temptation experience, he has learned to lean upon the Holy Spirit in a more dramatic way. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's as if this time of trial and testing has, has forced him to depend upon the Holy Spirit and to develop his dependence on the Spirit. And we, often, we also often need trials to deepen our dependence on the Holy Spirit too. And uh, for those of you familiar, uh, this reminds me of a scene from Star Wars. Cue the eye roll from my wife. Uh, <laughs> some of you aren't Star Wars fans, but I like, I like Star Wars. And it reminds me, if you know the story of Luke Skywalker, he goes to the mysterious planet of Dagobah to receive training in the Force from the Jedi Master Yoda. And it is there he encounters an experience with the dark side. He sees, he sees a vision of Darth Vader, his father, and it's a warning that he could go down the path of the dark side himself if he is not careful. And in the same way, Jesus faced the dark side in the wilderness. He must not go down the same path his forefather, Adam, took. He must not go down the path of sin and disobedience. He must not give in to the tricks of the enemy as his father did. No, he is going to live in obedience in dependence and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And now that he has been tested, now that his dependence on the Spirit has been deepened, he has now been released to go do ministry. And when Jesus is released, one of the first things he does is he stands up in the synagogue, of his hometown and he declares the mission that he is about to embark on Luke chapter 4 18 through 19 the words of Jesus the spirit of the lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight for the blind to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the lord's favor Jesus said this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing Jesus interprets for us his own ministry he says the spirit is on me this is how I have the power to do what I am about to do the spirit is sending me the spirit is empowering me the spirit is anointing me the Holy Spirit is on my life and the Holy Spirit was on Jesus for his whole ministry Empowering him to proclaim good news, to set the oppressed free, to do his ministry, to proclaim liberation of the oppressed. Jesus' ministry, it was spirit-filled, it was spirit-prompted, it was spirit-empowered, it was spirit-led. That's how he did everything he did. And so I want to move on to the next point of, of his ministry is that Jesus performed miracles through the Holy Spirit. Acts 10, 37-38 Says, you know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. Notice that's the beginning. And it said, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. You see, Jesus' healing ministry. It's seen as a spirit-empowered ministry and a revolt against the kingdom of darkness. Jesus had a supernatural power because the Holy Spirit was anointing him and empowering him. And so he heals people with the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not because Jesus was Superman. It's not because he was Iron Man or one of the other 25 million Avengers. Jeez, I can't keep up with those movies, can you? My goodness. It wasn't because he was Thor. No, friends, he was, if we admit that, if we say Jesus was a, was a superhuman, then we say that he is not like us. And we deny the humanity of Christ. No, he was just like us in every way. But he was always open to the Holy Spirit doing the miraculous through him. He never once hindered the work of the Holy Spirit. He was always open to the power of God moving through his life. Jesus said this himself, Matthew 12, 28. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus says, by the Spirit of God that I do this, that I drive out the forces of darkness. That's how he did it. So in addition to healing and uh, driving out demons, Jesus has all these things by the power of the Holy Spirit in him. But I don't want you to just think that the Holy Spirit was just for all the big stuff. It was actually for all the little stuff too. So I want to talk about how Jesus lived all of life in the Spirit. All of life in the Spirit. The whole thing was in the Spirit. Isaiah eleven two 2-3, another prophecy about the Messiah. It says, The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. See, this prophecy is about uh, the Messiah, and Isaiah is telling us that the Messiah will be the one who is filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit would rest on him and give him wisdom and understanding. Have you ever noticed that Jesus was so wise in everything he did? He always knew the right response. People come at him with all kinds of criticisms and questions, all kinds of things, and Jesus always knew what to say. Sometimes it was things that just like, I'm going to get down and, and write in the sand here. I'm going to quote scripture here. Jesus always knew the right thing to do. And he knew the right thing to do in every situation because, again, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then the, the Isaiah text says that through the Holy Spirit he would have knowledge and fear of the Lord. And that he would delight in the fear of the Lord. And so this is talking about his relationship to the Father. And I think one of the most distinctive qualities about Jesus when you read the Gospels is how he described his intimacy between him and the Father. How he could talk with the Father. How he was one with the Father. How he would only do what the Father was doing. You see, the relationship of Jesus with the Father is something that's empowered and enabled by the Holy Spirit. Again, we're getting at the mystery of the Trinity, of the triune God that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are in this divine dance, this unity of oneness, always in relationship to one another. And so everything Jesus did was empowered by the Holy Spirit. I love how Scott McKnight puts it in his book, Open to the Spirit. He says, Jesus was human. And because Jesus was a human, he needed to be empowered from day one with and by the Holy Spirit. Jesus, as a human, did all that he did, living, eating, eating. Praying, conversing, healing, teaching, doing good, rebuking, defending by the power of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't because Jesus was just God in disguise, that he was just God in a human body, that he could do all this. Because if he, if he was, if Jesus, friends, if Jesus wasn't really human, then we have no hope of ever being like him. If he was just a superhuman, if he was, if he was just God in disguise, we have no chance, we have no hope of ever being disciples of Jesus Christ. We have no hope of being followers of Jesus Christ unless we say Jesus was fully human, just like us. And so it's essential for us to understand that Jesus is our model. He modeled for you. He modeled for me. He modeled for all of us how to live a life that is always open and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus. And I'll, again, I'll do one more from Gerald Hawthorne. He says, the Holy Spirit was the divine power by which Jesus overcame his human limitations, rose above his human weakness, and won out over his human mortality. You know, I have to admit, because I used to think that Jesus was able to do all the things he did just because he, had, he could take his God card out and say, well, I'm God, well, now I can do this now, and you can't, you know. But that distorts our picture of Jesus, and it distorts our discipleship. Again, as I said, if Jesus is not like us, we can no longer identify with him. He can no longer be our high priest who mediates for us. He has to be fully human like us in order for us to follow him. So let's move to the end of Jesus' life. Number seven. Jesus' death and resurrection were through the Holy Spirit. I'll be brief on this point. Hebrews 9.14. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, Cleanse our consciousness from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Notice the writer of Hebrews says it's through the eternal spirit, the Holy Spirit, that Jesus was able to offer himself on the cross. It wasn't just Jesus' grit that led him to the cross. It wasn't just, it wasn't only his determination, though he was certainly determined. It was the power of the Holy Spirit helping him, moving him and empowering him as he went to the cross and not only did the Spirit help him at the cross, the Spirit was the power by which he was raised from the dead. Paul says this in Romans 8, 11, And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. You could say that the Father raised Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I've been wanting to show you this whole sermon, that Jesus' whole life, His birth, his his ministry, his serving, his praying, his miracles, his casting out demons, his eating with his disciples, everything that he did was spirit-led and spirit-filled, even up to the point of the cross and through his resurrection. All of it was a cooperation of the Father, Son, and Spirit to the glory of God. One God forever and ever. So I want to move to the last thing, our application for this morning. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to live in us. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to live in us. John 16:7. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come, but if I go, I will send him to you. You see, it was the plan all along for Jesus not to remain on earth forever, but to send us the same spirit he was empowered with. And now it is our task. It is our duty, it is our joy, it is our privilege to let the Holy Spirit fill our lives and fill our churches and let our lives be surrendered to his leading. And so we must model our lives on Jesus, who is always open to the Spirit. And friends, we have to reconnect discipleship with the Holy Spirit. You know, I think often we divide the New Testament. We think, well, the Gospels are all about Jesus and Paul is all about life in the Spirit. But actually, they are one and the same. Because the life in the Spirit is the life of Jesus Christ. Do you see that now? The life in the Spirit is the life of Jesus. Following Christ is following the Spirit. Sanctification, growing in the Holy Spirit, growing in holiness is becoming more like Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who was empowered by and lived his life in the Spirit. So walking in the Spirit is the same thing as following Jesus Christ. And friends, the more you become like Jesus, the more you become like Jesus the more open to the Holy Spirit you will become. The more you pattern your life, the more you model your life around Jesus Christ, the more open to the Holy Spirit's leading in your life you will become. Now some of us, for many reasons, we don't don't feel very open to the Holy Spirit. We're not very open to the Holy Spirit, if we're honest. Perhaps some of you have had bad experiences, maybe, from different churches or whatnot. Perhaps you've seen people misuse or misunderstand the Holy Spirit. And perhaps you just aren't sure what that means. You're not sure how to be open to the Spirit because you've never really been taught or been shown how. And I want to encourage you that the Holy Spirit can help you in this also. You can ask Him to lead you and guide you and say, Holy Spirit, would you help me understand what it means to be open? But make make no mistake, followers of Jesus are open to the Holy Spirit and they seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit just like Jesus was. And so if you have any desire to follow Jesus, if you have any desire to be a disciple, if you, have, if you want to be a Christian, you must grow in your ability, your willingness your aware, and your awareness of being open to and following the Holy Spirit. So this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to have some time with the Holy Spirit and to pray and to ask for this openness, to ask for this filling. Because we, we, we need this. We need the Holy Spirit. Just as Jesus followed the Spirit, we need the Spirit's filling too. And so I'm going to put a prayer on the screen. Um, and I was going to have to say it together, but I just want you to say it in your own heart, between you and the Lord. Because a relationship with the Holy Spirit, it, it can't be forced. It can't be something you can, we, you can ju- we can just muster up together and say. No, you have to let the Holy Spirit into your life, personally. And so I'm going to give you just a few minutes of silence, And you can pray some of these words on the screen and pray your own prayers. And just talk to the Lord about this. And then I'm going to come up and I will lead us in prayer this morning. Let's pray. O Lord, we are open to the Holy Spirit. We ask that you would send the Holy Spirit to live in us and speak to us so we may become more like Jesus. O Lord, would you give us the boldness, the courage, and the understanding to always be open to the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. Come into our lives to lead us and guide us and fill us. O Lord, would you fill our church continually continually. With your spirit. And let us follow wherever you lead. God we are open. And God we confess that at times. We are not open. We neglect the Holy Spirit. We neglect your leading. We keep you in a box. Or we, keep, we follow our own agenda. We don't listen to the Holy Spirit. We don't, we don't carve out times in our lives. To, to be in prayer. And to follow where you are leading. Oh God have mercy for our tragic neglect of the Holy Spirit. Forgive us, O God, forgive your church. And O God, would you help us to reverse this neglect in our day, in this generation, and in this church. Let us be the spirit people that you have called us to be. Let us be the people who are marked by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the leading of the Spirit. Let us be your spirit empowered and led people. And God, we thank you that through the Holy Spirit, we can bring our prayers to you, that we pray in the Spirit because of what you've done. God, I want to pray for needs around the world. I'm, I'm thinking of, of Nicaragua, especially, and our friends Martin and Luisa. Lord, as they've returned to a, a country that is, that is torn by violence, uh, that is torn by uh, power-hungry leaders, Lord, I ask that you would bring restoration to Nicaragua, that you would bring about... Uh, Lord change in that country transformation that you would bring new leadership Lord into place that is not corrupt and that you would redeem this country Lord from the pit they've gotten into and father especially that you would provide uh, for our friends Martin, Mar- Martin and Louisa Lord, that they would get the housing they need that they would uh, get the financial provision that they need as well and Lord we just ask that you would watch over all of their steps and father we thank you for the work that you're doing all over the world we thank you to have, that we have Rob and Nancy with us this morning, representing the work that you're doing in Spain. Lord, we thank you for the great work that you're doing over there. And Father, I ask that you would empower them by your Holy Spirit, that you would help lead them into the next step, what you're calling them to do. Lord, that you would bring people of peace uh, into their lives, into their ministry, people who are seeking the Lord and people who need to know the gospel. Lord, we ask that you would use them to spread your word and to spread the freedom of Christ, Lord, and to every household and to every community, Lord, that you are calling them to and sending them to. Oh, Lord, encourage them and bless them while they are here. May they return just like Jesus did in the power of the Holy Spirit as they go back. And Father, we're thinking this morning also of all of our mothers. Lord, we pray for all the women in our lives, for our biological mothers and our spiritual mothers in the church. God, I am asking that you would raise up a generation of spiritual mothers who pass on their faith to other women who become bold leaders and preachers and pastors and teachers and servants and and people who spread the gospel and witnesses for Christ. Oh God, raise up a generation of powerful uh, mothers in the faith who pass on your word to the next generation. We're asking this for your church globally, but also for here in Faith Covenant, Lord. Raise up that generation. And oh God, I am praying for those in our congregation who need the healing touch and the holy touch of your spirit. We're praying for our brother Ron Fordham, Lord, as he recovers at Windsor Park. We pray for his healing, for your grace, your peace and comfort to be with him. We're also praying for Pat Helbig and Nancy Nyquist as they continue to heal uh, from their health problems as well. And Lord, we're praying for Lars Carlson also, asking that his body would uh, would, would fully develop and that everything that he needs, Lord, would be provided. Would you bless the Carlson family, give them comfort and grace and peace, Lord, as they uh, have returned home and are recovering. Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit would empower them, Lord, in ways beyond that they even imagine. Father, I thank you that we can take all of these prayers to you through Jesus Christ and the power of the Spirit. And we pray the prayer the, uh, the Lord Jesus taught us to pray. Saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.